Praise be to Jesus and Mary, and welcome to the Catholic Family Podcast. This is the What is a Woman podcast, hosted by Mandy and Holly. Let's begin our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the What is a Woman podcast. My name is Holly, and as always, I'm joined here by my mother, Mandy. And we'll begin this week's episode by saying, Jesus, meek Make and humble, humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. So i uh, super excited to be back here on the Catholic yep. Family Podcast for another week. Yep, we're um, here. We have a couple of things to um, straighten out, I think. A little bit oh, of housekeeping. A little bit of housekeeping. Do we? Yes. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, go take it away, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> One is Bride's Head Revisited. <laughs> you may have heard me mention multiple times that it's my favorite movie. Yes. Um. And I maybe like I feel, I feel really really bad because that should have come with some sort of warning. Caveat. <laughs> yeah, some sort of um, yeah warnings. I guess is is the good clue. That movie is not a movie for children. No. And we had a listener watch it because you know I'm always going on about how great Bride's Head Revisited is, mm-hmm. and you know thought it was a great you know something that you would watch with your family. Um, and no, um, absolutely not. Yeah, do it's, we it's, not watch it's, it with. It's adult content. Yes. Right? Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a backstory with it. Well, first of all, it's a classic. It's a classic, like, you know, um, it was written by a man by the name of Evelyn Waugh, you know, about 1941. I think about 1941. And Evelyn Waugh was a convert to Catholicism. So the book, Bride's Head Revisited, is basically um, a story that deals with um, the Catholic religion, um, living providence. Living providence is big. Mm-hmm. Like how, how the characters in the, in the story, because of their life choices, um, have to live out certain providences and, and that. Um, you know, about God's, you know, mercy. Was, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I, I heard tell that... Um, and I, I don't know if this is 100% true, but one of the schools used to use use the, um, this is years ago, um, used to use the book as a um, study series, right? And it very, very much could be used as a study series. It's not exactly what I would call entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I should just clarify for everybody. If I, something comes out of my mouth about why I really like something, I'm actually not big on entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really watch anything unless I'm getting something that, I mean, that's not 100% true. I do watch things that are just fluff. But they're not my favorite, and I'm not really interested, right? right? I need to have substance to really like something, so it has to speak to me, right? And and when something does, I'll rewatch it over and over and over again. I've probably seen Brides. I could probably... Um, give you line for line quotes from Brideshead. I've seen it so much just because I constantly watch it in order to to feed my soul not not for entertainment purposes mm-hmm. so if you're going to watch Brideshead first of all it's 10 hours long right it's 10 hours long right and there's a lot of really faulty characters in mm-hmm. in the in the movie Brideshead Revisited a lot. Like, and there's a lot of inappropriate because it's a story of people living inappropriate lives and what happens to them. Mm-hmm. I thought um, it was, it was so, to me, it was so, um, I don't know what the word, like, it was so true for Catholics who are raised as cradle Catholics and the war that goes on between themselves, between the battle of them, of the church and their upbringing and what they know to be true versus the world. Right. Right. So, I mean, I would watch it any day of the week with anybody, but I would be there constantly telling them, okay, you know, well, that, I wouldn't say with anybody. No, I don't mean anybody. Definitely not children. Okay, because, yeah. But but young adults, certainly, maybe of a certain age, not too, too young. Right? You know, but anyway. And because, I mean, the movie is different than the book because the movie gives you visuals where the book probably does not do so much. 
right? Right. Well, I haven't seen it. Well, so. there is one. There is uh, there is an, an inappropriate sex scene in the middle of the in the middle of the movie. I mean, you, you got to remember this is actually this is also Hollywood too. Right. It's not Evelyn Waugh. But anyway, so that I just wanted to clear that up, people. Bride's head, um, is a, is full just full to the brim of Catholicism. And, you know, what happens when you don't follow the Catholic religion religion versus when you're raised and you do follow it and all this kind of stuff. So it's a great teaching tool, per se. It's not for entertainment value. Right. So, um, yeah. So the next time my mom mentions Bride's Head Revisited... <laughs> And if, but now from here on out, if you mention it again, you will have to add that caveat every time because there may be something. Yeah, and I, I feel really sorry episodes. because I mean I am responsible, you know, like I, yeah. I am responsible. People are listening to this podcast, and what comes out of my mouth, you know, if I'm watching it, well, obviously, you know, they, they would think, think it's fine. It's, it's something that they could, you know, everybody could watch, you know, but no. <laughs> so sorry about that sorry sorry about and and hopefully nobody has done that nobody has gone my word gone and said oh let's sit down as a family and watch, watch bride's head revisited <laughs> first of all it's very slow yeah and I, I don't think that children will be able to get through it anyway for about five seconds no well my mom tried to have me watch it once and i fell asleep on the couch <laughs> yeah you wouldn't watch it but that was a long time ago long, yeah i was trying to get you to get get the stuff in it you know so that you could see and relate to it yeah I mean, but if you're not ready or receptive for that then there's no point yeah i know there's there's never no point in te- trying to teach somebody something if they're not receptive just remember that it's better just to be quiet right i mean it, the thing is is that if if they're if you're going to have a mm-hmm. argument was or not an argument but if you're going to try to quote unquote teach somebody or show them something you can talk to your blue in your face but if the person's not receptive to it they're your your words are going in one ear and out the other yeah so yeah so yeah so there was that bit so okay. again brides had revisited you know not a family movie right <laughs> okay and um and another thing though we had a comment under our last podcast and i thought it was really really good and really worth mentioning because it was some really good advice about how when we say to offer it up. Oh, yes, I saw that one. I thought right? that Right, and I thought to myself, yes, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Her name was Helen. At least yeah. that's what the name was on her comment. But, you know, it wasn't, you just don't say offer to your it kids, up. kids, oh, offer it up. You, you have to kind of give them more information. And this is so true. I remember talking to a young girl years ago, and she was like about 18 or so. And she said to me, my mother said offer it up my whole life I never got that yeah she said I, I only get it now and I'm and actually I think she was in her 20s not 18 she said I only get it now so her her thing was this little prayer and I'm just going to repeat it it said oh my god it is for love of the conversion of poor sinners who have no one to pray for them yeah right so the and you know she said that's why you suffer right like may offer it up I mean, that's okay for us people that know what offer it up, up means. But for a kid, but a child. For, for children, I think they need more explanation. Like, she's yeah. absolutely right. No, she is. 100%. So I'm actually going to stop what I've always been doing. Well, we heard children. that our whole lives. Yeah, offer it offer up. It up. Yeah, I'm offer little, it up. Offer I'm it up. a little late with this with my own <laughs> children. But. What do you mean? It, was, it won't work on us? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so so that's a couple couple things i just wanted to get out of the way yeah. before we clear the started. air and you um you did something that maybe yes i'm going to well by the time this airs it will be on there for everybody to uh see if they want and if they want to download themselves i'm a big fan of the printables i always have been for a long time i have a few on our website um but i w- i spend a lot of time in the kitchen uh the other day and uh my mom took me to the farmer's market because now that I'm more settled in my house and decided that, you know, I need to regroup and refocus on what's important and I've weeded out a lot of things. But um, she took me to the farmer's market and I've decided I'm so over the boxed stuff, you know, food. Like, and I want to just start doing more. I want to start being more of a homesteader, more of that. So we went and we got a bunch of fruit that's pretty well just almost 
past its prime. And then you, we bring it home and I want to freeze it and whatever. So anyways, to make a long story short there, that was kind of, kind of got really off topic there. But I went, uh, I was spending the whole day in the kitchen cutting up fruit. Um, you know, I made my own vegetable broth out of the peeling, stuff like that. So anyways, in the kitchen all day, standing at the sink, washing dishes, chopping, doing all this. And it occurred to me that I spend a lot of time just standing here um, <coughs> washing dishes. Yeah. Cutting, chopping, peeling, what have you. And um, and I and I used to, when I stand there and something bothers me or something is said that upsets me, I'm trying to practice silence. Yes. Rather than, you know having to always be right or having to always or get my or in or make a comment yeah. so i've started doing this thing where i just quietly in my head you know say jesus meek and humble of heart make my heart like onto thine to stop myself from over speaking or whatever and then i the other day i was like well i said jesus meek but and not that i'm saying that's a really great aspiration i'm not saying it's not right but then i'm like you know i should be saying like little bits from the litany of humility to make myself more humble because pride is something that I really struggle with. So I was like, oh, but I don't know it. I, I know the one part, uh, you know, Lord grant me the grace or look that others may be praised and I set aside. Lord grant me the grace to desire it. That's one part. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, you know what? There's a lot I'm, more to it. So you know what I'm going to do? I thought I stand here at this sink. I am going to print up a nice little litany of humility. I'm going to put it in frame and I'm going to put it on my windowsill because there's a window right in front of my sink, a nice big long window with a nice big sill. And then I found this nice vintage holy card of Our Lady looking down at a crown of thorns. Just beautiful picture. I love it. So I did that. I printed it up, put a nice picture of Jesus on it, put it in a frame, and I put it on the windowsill. And I thought, while I'm standing here doing the dishes or what have you, if any time or even just nothing, I can stand here and I can pray. I can look at that picture and I can recite. Because really, there's not much work that goes into doing the dishes. Right. You can. You don't even have to look in the sink when you're doing it, you know? No, it's one of my favorite jobs. Oh, I love doing the dishes. Because you can zone out. Yeah, I love you doing the dishes. You don't have to think. You don't have to do So I, I framed this up and I, you'll see the nice picture there on the website of my little display. And I thought, you know, people are always saying, you know, home altars and stuff. And that's great. Um... And I have multiple areas in my home that could be considered home altars, I guess. But I thought, you know, I'm going to turn this windowsill into a little spot for prayer and reflection. Right. Like if I have to stand here all day and cook and, and do dishes and, and well, and yeah. do what God commands of me. Right, right. I might as well be praying while I do it. It's a quiet moment of time where you're doing the dishes. Why not use that time to pray and give that quiet moment to God too? Yeah. And I, I will add that you don't have little children. No, I don't have little children. So little, I mean, I've been babysitting a little bit. Lately, yeah. And they don't, so give I. You, they don't give you one free second to no. think. So, so, I mean, you young moms, I know you, it's hard. But I mean, but even still. If you still, put it there, you can just like. Yeah. You know, just even still, it, even reflect. if you're, if you're washing the, like, I mean, I know you have little kids, but you still have to do the dishes. So you have to find some time to do the dishes. Yeah. You may even get in just like the first little three lines of the litany. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying is for me, it's better than sitting there staring out the window daydreaming. What it's doing and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to always keep my focus right. on God. Always bring your thoughts to God. Because I've, I, I have realized in the last while, wandering thoughts are for the devil. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're temptations, they're wandering thoughts. You start daydreaming, you start thinking things. And I, I have a really bad fault of overthinking things you and everybody else of uh you know and uh so anyway so it's just it's just something that you know we i i don't want to miss any opportunity to make myself spiritually better right we gotta take we gotta do the little things that help right and you know that and i mean sometimes you know we get carried away by grand gestures and grand you know and I'm not saying those are bad things. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm, they're good and they have their place. But we should never not stop trying to find 
the little moments. Oh, it's and almost the little, like it's almost like Saint Teresa yeah, said that. No, I know, but like I'm saying, <laughs> the but how? Way. But how often do you hear that and you actually take it for what it actually means? Right. You know, God will appreciate the little ways and the little things you give to Him just as much as the big. Yeah. He's not going to be like, oh, that's just a small sacrifice. You know, sometimes the small little sacrifices. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. You know, and it, it's like, I get, you got to, I get very, uh, we can have the tendency to get very despairish, you know, like the world's so bad and this, and you know, but if you keep looking for the little moments and the little things to bring your mind back to God and you're thinking of heaven, the world doesn't seem that bad. No, no, no. No, no, I don't mean the world is bad, but like it's you, you're redirecting your thinking is what right. I'm trying to say. Right. yeah. Like the world doesn't matter is what I should say. No, exactly. Like your, 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 what's, what's important to you. And if you're constantly always pulling your mind back to God and thinking of our Lord, there's no time to think of trivial, small little things that don't matter. Or, you know, to dig those, um, fall into those pits that we've talked about yeah. in previous podcasts, like um, wandering thoughts and, you know, looking for better things and, yeah. you know, not being satisfied not being with content. your lot. And, I, well, and I will tell you, I have, ne- I have never been more content in my life than I am right now. Good. I yeah. am. I, I like I would because I feel like and I trust me I still have a long way to go I'm not saying I've mastered this but when I even taking these small little moments and these small little things and not being so concerned I've given up a lot I've put away a lot yeah that's allowed me to focus on spiritually bettering myself and it it does make you happier Right, right, it does. You know, that doesn't mean the crosses aren't still there. Right. But there's a happiness and a joy that comes when you put away each little thing. Each little time I put away something else from the world and I don't need it anymore, mm-hmm. I get that much happier, you know? Right. So it does work. It does. It, it, it absolutely does. does. So, I mean, I, I, I will say, I'll be, I'll be honest. You know, I used to be concerned about how much religious stuff was in my house. Not anytime recent. No, no, not recently. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I never, like, framing this little thing, this litany of humility and the little yeah. mare, I never would have done that before. Right. Because I was so concerned about what people would think. Like, not Catholic, but I have a lot of secular people in my life, in-laws and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, I was so concerned about how how they would judge me. And about they'd come in my home and be like, oh, Holly's a religious whack job. Look at all this stuff. Right. And right. now I just don't care, <clears throat> you know? I don't care. So it, it gives you a sense of peace and a sense of um, calm and joy when you just put away that what other, you know, that you don't care what other people think. Yeah. And, and you focus on what's That you're important. standing before God. Yes. Yeah. You're not, you know, okay. I mean, I guess because I'm old, I've, I, I gave all that stuff up a long time ago. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I know, but you only have Catholic people in your life. Pretty much. Pretty much. Like yeah. you, you know. Yeah, pretty much. I, I wouldn't say I have to deal with anybody that, you know. I mean, just I just. random people. I'm just saying I'm like. I'm Not anybody a, on a regular basis. I'm I'm at a point where I, I finally felt spiritually strong enough to not care. Right, it's the not caring. Think. It's it's the human it's the, respect. It's the human. Like, I don't care. This is my home, and it's a place of calm and holiness, uh-huh. or at least I'm trying to make it that. Yeah. So I really don't care what you think when you come in here. If you think I have too many crucifixes around, too many pictures of Jesus, so be it. Oh well. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> you know, like that's th- sad for you. That's sad for <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but I'm saying there was a time where I was. I'm going to admit, ladies, there was a time where I was, and I hate saying it, but in all honesty, I'm being honest with you, there was a time where I was afraid to hang a crucifix in my home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I remember. The very first, I mean. Because please, and ladies, please try to remember if you're new here, I fell away from the faith for five years. No, I So know. there was a period of when I came back that I had to readjust myself that I was Catholic again, you yeah, know. and I told my story of how I became traditional. I don't know if I told this. The story of the crucifix. 
but I didn't have anything religious in my house. Like, and here yeah. I am, a cradle Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to the novice order and all this stuff. I was cradle. I didn't have a single solitary religious item in my house, not one. And my father, yeah, no, and, right. I, and I became traditional Catholic. And my father came over and he said, oh, you need a crucifix in your house. You don't have one. Mm-hmm. And he handed me this crucifix. And I'm like, you want, you me? want me to put this on my wall? Yeah. Like that, that's where I was at, you know. Yeah. I was like, what will people think? Mm-hmm. One crucifix. Yeah. Not. Probably wasn't even that big either, was it? It wasn't ginormous. No, it was just a, you know, just Yeah, average. just your average. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, I was just, I wish I knew where that crucifix was. We have so many now. I can't remember which yeah. one it was because my dad bought it. And he's no longer with us. May he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, and and, you know, there was a part of me that knew that, you know, I can't put the, like that. I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm supposed to love God. I have to put this crucifix. Yeah. Up. I can't care about what other people think. But there was this huge part of me that it, it kind of took every ounce I had to take the hammer out and hammer it. Yeah. Out. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, but slowly, but you know, it's like pulling the bandaid off. Yeah. You know, you put one up and then you're like. Oh, and then he brought in, he brought in, I still have the statue of Our Lady of Fatima. And I remember he came in and he said to you kids, you were all really little. Yeah. And he said, he goes, oh, I brought a statue of Mary. He said, uh, he said, you know, he said to the kids, every time you sin, you put a sword in Mary's heart. Yeah, I remember remember that. that? Yeah. Yeah. And so I hung it up. We had a little shelf there above the dining room and I hung it there and I'd say, are we putting swords in Mary's heart? heart, You know? And um, yeah. So, and I mean, of course, and then it just snowballed from there. Mm -hmm. Well, that's But you know, that first That first one is, well, I still, and I probably told it on this podcast, mine was the agony in the garden picture. Yeah. That was the very first piece of religious anything i brought into my home when i came back to the faith and i i went to hang it on the wall and my husband bow had a hissy fit and i said no this is going up i said this is jesus you want to take that picture down you be my guest but i feel sorry for you if you do yeah and he never touched it and then once that was up and it was fine then it just then it really started and it yeah. didn't stop. Yeah, it didn't you know, stop. to now where we all my art is predominantly more. religious. Right. <laughs> like, there's probably actually not a piece of well, except for family photos. Every framed art in this room is a religious photo. Yeah. So there you go. So anyway, so yeah, so I I'm gonna put that litany of humility up, and I did it up really nice. I love to make things pretty. I mm. will say that. So I did it up with nice font and nice background and nice. I found this beautiful vintage picture of the child Jesus, and that's on there. So you can print it out, you can frame it, you can tack it up on your wall, you can, and it's just a good. And I thought, you know, you're not gonna be reminded to pray unless these things are around you. Right. Like it, it, it reminds you, it it keeps you, you know, because normally I would just stand there and stare out the window and look at the forest or something, you know, but now it's in my face and my forefront and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll take this quiet moment and say a nice prayer, you know, right, and right. maybe I might even go around to, I might switch it out later, you know, and put a different prayer there after a while or something. But I, I believe, I love the litany of humility and um, I need to say it more often. So, right. So, you know. So, anyways, so that's that. So, so, to our book. To our book. Well, for, well first of all, about our oh, book, I gotta tell you, got? it is. Um, we're 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 studying works of mercy. Right now, here's the thing: is I always thought myself to be a very charitable person. Mm-hmm. Like I always thought I was charitable. Mm-hmm. And I, once we started reading this, I, um, the lid got blown off my can because <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you know. Um, Man, and now you know you start to worry. You're like, have I have I been charitable enough? Like I don't feel like I've ever been yeah. charitable. Like I mean, these are sincere thoughts in my head. You know, I'm just like yeah. I, I've not. And then and then not only that. So once we started reading this, and this is what happens with God. He peels a little onion away, right? He, the onion, you know, layers. There's so many layers, and all of a sudden, everywhere I look and everywhere I read. Is the same thought over and over again. Like, and I, and at first I said to myself, boy, God, you're just putting everything in front of my face yeah. to, you know, prove your point. Right. 
And then I said, no, no, that's not true. It's always been there and I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. So that's how the onion works. That's when they pull apart, when you pull off a piece of the onion, all of a sudden you see stuff that you were you never saw before, even though it was right in front of your face. Right. So, so first of all, we're talking about um, the works of mercy, which is you know charity, and um, <clears throat> so the the chapter itself I find very to the point, very direct about what we are required to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I'm, I'm picking up this book. I pick up this book I find in my house called Prayers. This this book is very odd, but I mean. I could do a whole nother podcast on this book. But anyway, the very first thing I read, I pick up this book and I read, this is what I read. Um, he who has begun to give himself to others is saved. Mm. Just like that. Yeah. He who has begun to give himself to others is saved. <laughs> and I'm just like, is saved? Like, uh, that's, like, to me, it just like, it just like, charity you know, and of course we say it all the time. We we say the greatest uh, of these is charity, right? We say it all the time. We say the greatest of these is charity, and you say and and I say every time somebody's doing something and they don't really want to do it, or you know they're finding somebody annoying. Like the first words out of my mouth are charity cover a multitude of sins. Thing. You yeah. know, I say, well, boy, does it ever cover a multitude of sins because he who has begun to give himself to others is saved. So yeah. here then, so then, okay, if that's not enough, then I'm reading something else. So I'm going on, I'm doing St. John of the Cross and I'm doing, um, your novena, a novena and day nine of my novena of St. John of the Cross. This is a quote from St. John of the Cross in the evening of life. We will be judged on love, love being charity. Right. So I'm just like, we will be judged on like, we're, <laughs> we're going to be judged on how charitable we have been. Right. You know, so I start to, um, once we get into this book, because it's been, it's been like blowing my mind. And, and I know this sounds kind of silly, ladies, because I've always known that charity cover a multitude of sin. I've always said this. We have to be charitable. We have to be kind. We have to be charitable. I'm always saying this. This is not nothing new to me. But to the level of the charity that's required... I'm like, I don't think we've ever been doing enough. Well, yeah, you you start to think, I think I fall very short. You know, and so especially <clears throat> when you see how much it actually is demanded. Right. And how can you be, you know, Catholic like myself for, uh, how long have I been? Where are we up to 35 years now? I'm, I'm losing all kinds of track time. And not realize the depth of the necessariness it is to be charitable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just mind-blowing. And then you see that it's in absolutely every single thing I read and every single thing I pick up. Right. So anyway, I want us to continue on. And remember that. And remember this because this is this book is going to tell us some pretty heavy-duty things, some more. Okay. All right, so picking up where we left off in the last podcast quote but the difference arising from the inequality of fortune does not prevent men from being equal in the sight of god or equally belonging to him since he created them all by his power and redeemed them by his love and all have the same origin and the same end god is equally in the rich and in the poor in the former to inspire them with compassion and charity and preserve them from pride in the latter to inspire them with humility and patience and to preserve them from despair, end quote. Right. I mean, I think we touched on this briefly before we ended last um, last week, mm-hmm. was that um, everybody is equal, you know, yes. to God. Yes, we touched on that. We did touch yeah. on that, right? So whether you are poor or whether you are rich, rich you are equally as important to God. Um and uh, we have to keep that in mind because uh, God's going to ask some crazy things of us. And I mean, regard- just like, and honestly, just think about that for a second because you see a lot of people, they say, like, you know, or they say or they feel like, you know, I'm never going to amount to anything. Like, look at all these other people out there. You know, you look at all the people with wealth and fortune and fame and whatever or prestigious titles. Yeah. You know, and you say, oh, I'm never going to amount to anything. 
everybody has the ability to become a saint. They can, no matter their station, no matter their wealth, no matter their, no matter what family you were born into. Right. God has given everybody the ability to become a saint. Nobody is is, a, is beneath is that, object, like uh, uh, or excluded, excluded. Is the word I'm looking a, for. Yeah, that's the right. Word. Nobody's excluded from becoming a saint. Everybody can obtain that title. Right, and if you don't, if you don't, this is the other thing too. Like you have to believe that, right? Like that everybody has that opportunity. And sometimes, sometimes we make a bit of excuses, right? Um, say, well, they can't do this because of blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, like I don't want to get into specifics. But when you say a person can't do something because of blah blah blah, what you're saying is God didn't give them the ability to be a saint, right? Which is not true. Which is not true. All people were created with the equal ability to do the, I mean, and actually, I mean, it's what God wants of everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Many are called, few are chosen. Right. But the ability and the equalness was there from the beginning. Right. And, and you, it's not like you can't just sit there and say, like, you will look at, like, I'll use me for example, you know, I play the piano. Right. Not not at any amazing level in any way, shape, or form. I don't know why. I just, I went to grade three and I didn't go beyond that. And I just, I what I think it is, is I don't think my reflexes are quite fast enough uh-huh. to jump, to, like to play fast and jump from the notes. Right. But I, lo- I listen to other people play the piano. Like if I recall my life, there was two people in our, at our church and they, oh, they played the piano so well. Right. So beautiful. One man played by ear. He could play anything by yeah. ear. Yeah. You you started humming, and he could sit down and play what you were humming. That's how yeah. talented he was. And I look at them, and I'm like, man, I'm never going to be able to play the piano as well as any of these people. Right, right. You know, and I'm like just thinking in my head, well, A, I didn't practice enough, I guess. I don't know. I could give you a million reasons. I just don't think the real full talent is there. Yeah. You know, but then you, but you look at these things, and you think – Okay, but we in eternity, like in light of eternity, what does it matter how good I play the piano? No, it never. doesn't. You know, it's just that is a worldly, physical aspiration, right? You know what I'm saying? Like there is other things that we can aspire to, that we can do. Yeah. No matter what. Right. Right. You know, so that's something. Just I just thought of that. You know, when we think everyone is created equal, we are all created equal, but we, anybody, but it's what we do with it. And anybody can rise above that too. Right? right. That's what I'm saying. You know, you're not limited to the family you were born in. You're not limited to the, the wealth you were born in wealth or lack thereof. Well, I actually, I heard a, I heard a Jordan Peterson talk just recently and he was saying, you know, about sure people have a lot of baggage with them and they have a lot of things that happened to them. Yeah. And, you know, and you can, and, you know, so you can say, well, he, he was talking about um, justifying criminals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because, well, you know, they were born into a poor family or they, they didn't have this or they didn't have a father. or You know, the millions of excuses people make for stuff like that. Yeah. He said, well, that's all fine and dandy. Yeah, sure. He said, but millions of other people have the same issues. And rose above. And rose above. Right. So you can't say that, you know, certain things are reasons to keep a person down. Right. And so that's like exactly the point. Like, you know, we don't get to stand before God and say, well, God, I didn't have any of this. Yeah, I didn't have or a father. Or I didn't have a father. Or, or I, you know, I don't know. I can't. Or, you know, we didn't have any money or, we, you know. Yeah. my Everybody you know, has the ability to my save parent, their soul. Or, or, you know, even to the point of. I was abused. Yeah. You know, I was abused or yeah. this happened to me at 10 or that happened to me at 5 and you know yeah. all the things that happen to people because there is a lot of things that happen to people. Right. Because there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of sin, but again, we have to rise above that. We always have to rise above it, so. Okay, anyway. so continuing on here, riches and po- quote, riches and poverty come alike from him. They are gifts for, of a different nature indeed, but the same in their principle and end. 
since the end of both is the glory of God and our sanctification. Or rather to speak the language of the gospel, we should say that the condition of the poor and that of the rich are not equal in the yet eyes of God, that the former have a prefer preferable lot, while the latter have much greater difficulty to contend with in the salvation of their soul. End quote. All right, so in, number, in this little bit, um, our author is telling us the poor are actually more favored by God. Right. You know, so... Um, and we, we know that because the Holy Family was poor. Right. That's you know? how, that's and, how and, our Lord chose to, came in, to come into the world, was poor. Right. And, 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 you know, like, I mean, he said it. He said to the rich man, he said, you know, uh, what will you have king. me do? He said, leave all and follow me. Yeah. You know, and the rich man failed. He went, everything? Everything? Everything. Yeah. You know, and the, whole, and the other thing, too, is the Holy Family is always proof that dignity... Can be found in the hovels of the poor. Yes. Right? Like, just because you're in the hovels of the poor doesn't mean... You don't have to be dignified. There's not dignity and there's not um, decorum and there's Mm -hmm. not all the proper things. I mean, unfortunately, we don't get to see a lot of that in our society because the poverty seems to really degrade people. Yes. But... It doesn't mean that you can't have the dignity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're choosing the lesser things. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay, quote, Were society what it ought to be, where it constituated upon the principles and teachings of the gospel and all its relations governed by the same law, the condition of the poor would be preferable, not only before God, but also in the estimation of men. For the rich would have much to fear from the dangers to which they are exposed and would be obliged to guard against discouragement. The poor, on the contrary, would be tempted to pride themselves on the advantages which God has conferred upon them. The former would be the servants of the latter, and would consider themselves, as it were, the administrators of their property. End quote. Right. So, um, again, that the world, um, if, it were the, if it were to be the way it was supposed to be, the poor would hold the highest place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that also from the Gospels. Those who are last shall be first. Yes. Right? But it says here, not only in the eyes of God, but in the estimation of men. In the estimation of men. Yeah. Right? So, but I mean, so, but that's always, like, even those who are last shall be first. Like, mm-hmm. nobody ever wants to be last. No. Like, in the estimation of men, everything is backwards. Right. Right? Everything is always backwards compared to... The way God sees things. And then what they're saying here then is that if that were the case, then the poor would be tempted to pride. Yeah. Thinking that they were, yes, you know. Above the above rich. Above the rich because they're like, I'm going to use quote unquote, the chosen good people. Yeah, you we're, know? we're poor, we're chosen. Yeah. We're poor, we're chosen, you're rich, you filthy dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> it would be weird. <laughs> Quote, it is not to be denied the gospel is loud in its uh, enunciation of riches and in its menaces against the rich, while it is equally emphatic in the praise of poverty and in the encouraging congratulations to the poor. We should also bear in mind that the principal subject of condemnation at the judgment seat of God is the insensibility and the hard-heartedness of the rich towards the poor, and that God holds himself personally outraged in the latter when they are unfeeling repulsed by the rich, end quote. Yeah, so, wow to you who have money. Yeah. You know, like, read that last part again. God is the insensibility and hard-heartedness of the rich, oh, sorry, the judgment seat of God is it, is the insensibility and the hard-heartedness of the rich towards the poor, and that God holds himself personally outraged in the latter. Personally outraged at the rich who do not, do not look after the The poor. poor. That's, uh, yeah. Like that, I mean, you could, like, it seems to me like you can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of sin. But if you have money, you cannot not look after the poor. Yeah. Like there is absolutely no excuse. excuse. Yeah. According to God. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to get, you know, to your judgment, you know, where nothing is hidden. 
Yeah. Everything is exposed and you're not going to be able to come up with excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh like doesn't it give you a little bit of a perspective on maybe I don't need any money? Yeah, it gives me maybe, a little bit of a chill. <laughs> maybe I don't need any money. It gives me like maybe, a, maybe, you know. Maybe I should want for nothing. <laughs> maybe I should want for nothing. You because, know. Because. Uh, that to me, that sounds like money now seems like that's a lot of responsibility. Yes. To make sure that you are doing with that money that got, and it said in the beginning, or well, not the beginning of the chapter, but where we started off, that that is a gift. If you have been endowed with richness. Yes. That is a gift from God. Exactly. And basically what the author is telling us here is that you better use it wisely. Right, right. And charitably. Uh-huh. You better distribute your wealth and look after the poor. Exactly. Because God has... And I mean, you can look at it this way, you know. There, there has to be a certain amount of wealth and God put it in the... God has put that wealth in people's hands. Yes, he has. You know, that gift has been given to you directly from God so that you can look after the poor. Right. Not so that you can drink your days away on your yacht with your margaritas. You know, like, yeah. like I'm just using that as a very <laughs> off example. But I'm just saying, like, you know. Well, it makes we, me feel very sorry for the rich. Yes. And there's an awful lot of rich out there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of people sitting on beaches drinking margaritas and on yachts and whatever else they have, you know, and like if you're going to do all this, what have you done for the poor? Right. Right. Okay. So continue on here. I just, I just oh, want to. Is that something else? Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to some about the talents I and I posted it because... Um, This book I'm reading too, right? Mm-hmm. That blew my mind over mm-hmm. here. It talks about, it says, if you have one talent, you have to give it back to God. Right. If you have 10 talents, you have to give it 10 talents back to God. Oh, yeah. So, you know, everything you're given by God, like, I mean, if you have the talent to play the piano, mm-hmm. you have to give it back to God. Well, I play the organ, so I think <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking about Not it. Very, so, well, and actually, when I think about it, that, like... I, the reason why I want to play the piano better than I do is for God. Right. In all honesty, it's so that I can play better at mass, so that I can play, uh, you know, more songs, like d- more, we mm-hmm. can do more in-depth, whatever the word is, you know, I want intricate. to intricate. Intricate, that's the word I'm looking for, thank you. You know, it's not so that I can go start a iTunes account and sell my music I could care less you know mm-hmm. like I just it's just but that's exactly right you know the talent ha- you have to find some way to shape whatever talent you've been given in a way that gives glory and honor back to our Lord right you and know? and uh, and money when they say talent what they mean is a gift yeah when we use the word talent we mean a gift mm-hmm. and so if God has given you money you have to use it Mm-hmm. To the to God to serve God, yeah. Okay. So, so quote to give a more imposing character. Oh, sorry, I skipped a paragraph. One second here. Quote in representing the last judgment under its most consoling aspect for the just and in its most alarming character for the wicked, our Savior makes a special mention of the merciful deeds of the former, to which he seems to reduce all their obligations and sums up the accountability of the latter in their want of attention to the poor, end quote. So, um, so what <coughs> happens here is if you're poor, your obligations are reduced. Right. You don't have so many obligations. And um, if you're rich, your accountability is raised. Well, and and you know what? That makes perfect sense. Of course it is because you've been given a lot. Yeah. Of course you have more accountability. I know. You've been given a lot and you have to make sure that you are doing what's right with it. Right. So the the poor's obligations are reduced. I mean. I mean, not to quote quote Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Everybody knows. (laughs) Okay, this is. But everybody (laughs) Okay, we've, what is a woman has been reduced, reduced to, to quoting Spider- Spider-Man? Let's okay, hear it. but everybody knows the uncle says to him, with great power beco- 
comes great responsibility. Right. And I mean, it is, I mean, you can take these stupid, they're dumb. I'm not suggesting anybody go watch superheroes. Right. I, I, I don't watch them, but everybody knows that's what the uncle said. It's yeah. all over the place, okay? Well, I have the tune from Spider-Man memorized. Well, there you go. From my youth. So anyways, <laughs> but, every, but that, uh, out of all the garbage that goes on in those stupid superheroes, but that is true. Right. When the uncle says that to him, with great power, power becomes comes great responsibility. Right. So you've been given this power. I, I mean, if we take this and flip it into the Catholic sense. Right. Even gay. us. Even us as Catholics. We have been given a great power of our faith. Right. That right. comes with great responsibility. It does. To be charitable and to be the light of the world. To be the living gospels. Like So yeah. when you talk about being charitable... That means you have to be the living gospel. Right. You have to be the gospel in color. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hear you. Okay, quote. To give a more imposing character to the economians, he, economiums, sorry. That means, that means. Encomiums. Oh, that means, I had to look that up. Did I was you look like, it what up? the heck kind of yeah, word is that? Yeah, tell that means. It says, the writing that praises someone highly. Okay. So it's writings that praise someone, someone highly. So. Okay. He bestows upon the charitable and to the condemnation which he reserves for those who are not so. He requires that he alone be viewed and recognized in the persons of the poor and suffering, not that there are no other good works than those of mercy or no other crime than the hard-heartedness towards the poor, but because works of mercy are more decisive in the affair of salvation, end quote. And I mean, to me, that right there just sums up... Um, he who sheltered me, or he, you know, uh, what am I? A quote. No, what our Lord said. <laughs> Why am I drawing a complete blank on this? What? Feed the poor, you feed me. Those who have fed the poor. Okay, yes. mom, help yeah. me out here. <laughs> well, you've messed me up now. I can't come to your rescue. I messed up. <laughs> so, well, anyway, so here, well, you think about that while I go on here. So, um, <laughs> when did I see you and you gave me to eat? Is this what yes, that's what yes. I'm talking about. Okay. Sorry. Here is the great possibility if you are rich, right? Like, there's yeah. huge, huge reward for yeah. you. Right? Look at all the people out there that are really have have great opportunity to have massive reward in the next life. Yes. Like when I when I when I think about that, I think the biggest example of the saints is Saint Elizabeth of Hungary. Mm -hmm. Because she was a, a queen, right? Yeah. And her big her big example was that uh, she just took everything and just went and constantly fed the poor. Yeah. That's what she did. Yeah. You know, she didn't, you know, revel in her riches. No. And I mean the why I said that, if I can get back to my colossal mess up here, but Yeah. It's because, you know, he requires that he alone be viewed and recognized in the persons of the poor and suffering. He is capitalized. So they're referring to God. God is to be recognized in the poor and the suffering. Yes. When, when, he who, when did we see you? When did we see you to give you? You never yes. clothed me. You never fed and me. You never. If these, those. What you did to the least These of my, my brethren, brother. you have done no, to me. That me. is the point I was trying to make there, right. which I colossally screwed it up. It's all the old, the old talk. I, I get, it gets me tongue tied. But um, you know, like we have to understand that that God has asked us to do these things, and we are to see Him right. in these works here. of mercy. When you see the poor and suffering, that person must be viewed as, as God. God. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I got to tell you, like I do, I do give to people, like when I go into a grocery store and there's a beggar out of a grocery store, I always, you know, if I got money in my pocket, I always give them like five bucks or something. But I feel like that five bucks is such a pittance of nothing. Right. Like, I mean, after reading this, yeah. like here I thought I was, you know. Doing a good thing. Being a great hero or something. Yeah. But I just feel like it's just so nothing. Yeah. Compare in comparison. If I was, I mean, what I get, I mean. I don't know, it seems kind of crazy, but, you know, like if I was viewing that person as God. Would you walk by God and go, here's five here's bucks. Five bucks. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you like, know. But really, that's what our book is telling us. You have to view the poor and the suffering uh, must be viewed as God. God. Yeah. 
All right, uh, quote, in every family that enjoys a substantial income, some person should be appointed to wait on the poor and to represent their case to the chief of the household. This office belongs particularly to the woman. She, it is ought who annually to lay aside a portion for the poor and by charitable deeds avert from the family the maledictions which with God has threatened the rich and draw down upon it the blessings he has promised to those who are liberal to the poor. The portion of the poor was formerly when a Christian language was spoken by a Christian people called the portion of God, as the houses which served as a refuge to the poor were called to the, quote, holds of God, end quote. The portion of the poor, therefore, is the first, the best and the most important part of what is used in a family, as it bears interest for heaven and eternity, increases the stock of our merits, and renders us truly rich in the eyes of God, end quote. Yeah, so this author is recommending that one person in the family be appointed to be in charge of looking after the poor. And that person is the woman, he says. It's usually the woman. Yeah. And, um... Well, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I can see back in this day, you know, the husband is out working, he's doing this, and the woman is tending things at home. And the woman, I'm going to say what we've learned from our book, the woman is attentive. Yes. So she would know who needs... What? She would be attentive to the needs of others more right. so than the husband, right? And that the first and the best go to the poor. Yeah. <laughs> the first and the best. I mean, well, you know, I think of, I've, I started um, uh, the Little Women. Uh-huh. Okay. And the book Little Women, when it's Chris, and they, they weren't rich. The little family, the father was off at war and uh, they they had, but they weren't overly rich, right? So, and it's Christmas morning, and they wake up, and Hannah, the housemaid, has made the nice breakfast. Everything's so warm, and I remember they're, they're smelling the biscuits fresh out of the oven. And Marmy has been off all night with a poor family. The, the babies are sick, and she's helping them, and she's tending them. She comes home, and she's so exhausted, and, and then the girls say, we better take our breakfast, our Christmas breakfast to this poor family. They need it more than us, you know? And so they pack up their Christmas morning breakfast and they take it to this. And I mean, that's because of the example of the mother. Right, right. You know what I mean? That's the example of the mother. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's also important to note that when you're doing these things, you're also, we're not just women, we're mothers. So you're setting an example for your children. Exactly. You know? And I mean... The first and the best goes to the poor. I mean, okay, that makes sense because if the, if the poor are God, like we're the supposed to look the at the poor, that's God right there. Yeah. I, I got to I have to tell this story okay. because it, it's it was. Is this uh, about the bomb? Yeah, you've told it on the podcast before. My brother. No, the what? homeless man that came in for dinner, Christmas dinner. No. Oh, okay. Then another story. Never mind. No, but um, my brother had an experience. He was really at a very, very low point in his life. Oh, right. No, you haven't told this. I mean, I've experienced this this too in my own life where at a low point in my life, somebody came in and talked to me and it was like they were tell- they knew everything about me and I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. Like I've experienced that. And my brother had experienced it too. Right. This man came in and he was, and it was like he was telling him his life story. Mm-hmm. And then he said to him, he said, you want to find God? He said, you go down to the corner of Richmond. Yeah, he said. Well, our listeners may not know what that means. Oh, but it's our downtown. It's our downtown. Poor bummy area. Yeah. And he said, you go down to the, that, he goes, you down to, down to, to the corner he said that's where god is mm-hmm. hmm. and and my brother you know like this was a very down pop and and this man revived him um you know and he he believed it to be of a supernatural nature mm-hmm. i believe it to be of a supernatural nature <coughs> too but he told him that's where god can be found yeah hmm. it was kind of it was just a and we know that because this book tells us that. Yeah. Right? We have to, when you see that, you're looking at God. Right. Yeah. Okay, quote. Um, Alms deeds 
persevere money from the rust which is, as it were, inherent in it, and prevent it from becoming the mammon of iniquity which is called in the gospel. The charitable woman uses the goods of, the, of this world as the bee makes use of the flowers. From things that are perishable, she extracts a pure and delicious honey, which nourishes and rejoices the heart, and gives the soul strength to pers- persevere in seeking its end, and happily to attain it, end quote. Yeah, so she she um, just gives a little uh, reference to the bee. I always love a little reference to, to the, the bee. bee. Yeah. They're my favorite, even though I can't get near them, <laughs> but they're still my favorite. <laughs> you know how she takes from the flowers, uh, yeah. and then... Turns it and in. distributes it all. Yeah, I just kind of like that. Okay, quote, A truly Christian woman who is deeply sensible of her duty always manages to save for the poor the share to which they are entitled. And although she cannot dispose at discretion of what belongs to the family and is bound in such cases to consult her husband, she will almost always excite in him the feelings of compassion that animate her own bosom. Were she to appeal to him in behalf of the poor with as much eloquence as she displays in importuning him for an article address, she would easily succeed in persuading him and obtaining for them the necessary assistance. End quote. Right. So the Christian woman is deeply, um, a truly Christian woman is deeply sensible of her, her responsibilities in which she must look after the poor. And it says here, like, um, Obviously, she doesn't have the full say. The husband does because she can't just take everything the family owns and give it to the poor. Right. You know, um, but it says, like, you can sure get the money out of your husband for a new dress. Right, and a woman can be very persuasive. She is very persuasive. That's why, that is why this responsibility has been endowed to her. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, women are of a more caring nature than men. That is just a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why we're mothers. Um, and like we said, she will see the needs of the poor. So, but the, I think what the author is trying to say is that she has to be looking too. Right. Like, and that's, and I think that's precisely why he makes that point. If you wanted to appeal for a new dress, you could, you would have no problem. You would, yeah, you would have no problem. Right. So you say, you could say, well, our family can't like, and then he said, well, our family can't afford to get... I've had people that I have no. I had a person that I know that did not have very much money, and they tried to give me money. Yeah, I'm like, I am not taking take your, your money. money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you need something? No, I don't. don't. You need something? Here, you take your money. Here, Here you, know, you take your I'm money. Just, I'll give you money. <laughs> and I'll give you money. Here, you know? just stop this right now. Stop. You know, <laughs> you stop this. <laughs> don't be kind to me. How dare you? <laughs> I'm just being silly. Okay. We got one last little section here and then the chapter's done. So we'll try to squeeze this in. We're just almost to the hour. Okay. Quote, alms deeds consist not only in giving bread to those who have none, but in relieving all kinds of miseries. And they they are more pleasing to God as the wants which they supply are greater and the service rendered on a higher order. Every want of the body or soul calls for a particular kind of alms to enlighten the mind clouded by error or prejudice, to treat with kindness and love the poor creature that has no sympathizing friend to lean upon, to give solitary advice to those who are troubled with doubts, to restore peace to those who have lost it, are all different modes of bestowing alms and are above all priceless maybe in the sight of God. If you have no money for the poor, give them at least your sympathy your love, your prayers, give yourself. Let those who have suffered, who suffer have the benefit of your good example. Let them witness your patience and other virtues. This is a service which you can always render and is the most meritorious alms that you can bestow. End quote. End of chapter. Right. So um, the author is leaving us with the note that we're not all rich. Well, and basically that just, and what I'm saying is, so even if you, you're, poor that does not excuse you from yes doing works of mercy to right. you just have to find your way to do them without you have to the treat. works of mercy that don't require giving money which right, like, there are lots well like yeah well i wrote down like remove prejudice like to treat with kindness and love and i i put especially annoying people yeah right you know a person a person who has no well, friend you give them a friend you make your friend i mean we we all know it and it's all been said i think by every priest from here to eternity has said 
has told us. Yeah. It's easy to love those that love you. Yes. Yeah. You know, like that's not that's not really work of mercy. Right. You know what I mean? But going out and No, be- it's not a work of mercy. It's not that it's not a work of mercy to love your children. No. Well, and it, not children even, just friends and relatives and stuff yeah. and people that are kind to you. That and being kind to them back, that's that's just life. That's just that's, life. That's just you being that's kind. Why even even the who do that? What did, who did Jesus say? Uh, he said love one another. Even the, the I can't remember. Sorry, I gotta go back. No, it's not in our book. Oh, I don't know then. Even well, even the Gentiles do that. I yeah. I can't remember who who he called out and said. Anyway, right. so yeah, so well, we'll leave it there, and because we're just over the hour. Yes, yeah, so all right. And I just want to say one thing to finish up sacrifice yourself yes like it was the title of our last one last podcast but if you have nothing else to give you must sacrifice yourself yes yeah okay everybody okay so we'll leave it there we're gonna cut her off right at the hour mark and um we hope you all have a very blessed week may our lord bless you and our lady guide you always and saint Teresa, pray pray for us. us